the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Of course, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Hope you're going to have a good time somewhere and enjoy. Hope you have the day off. Let's pray for those who don't have the day off tomorrow. Suckers, no. Just just kidding. (laughs) Trying to lighten the mood. Hey, give me a break here. Well, welcome to the Passion Church. I'm Pastor Guy. And uh, if this is your first time visiting with us, oh, hold on to your hat. You're in for a treat. (laughs) We're a warm, fun, loving family. We love to have fun here. And if you're here today, guess what? It's not by accident because you may think you just stumbled in here somehow, but We've been praying about you coming here. We do that all the time. We may not have known who you were, but we were praying for you. That when you come through these doors, you would feel warm and welcomed. And you would feel like part of the family because we want you to join us as as we do great things for God's kingdom here on the earth. Do you know you have a purpose and a plan? Well, one thing we would like to ask you if you're a first-time visitor, there's some first-time visitor cards that we have back at the Connect Desk. If you weren't handed one already, you can fill one out back there and and hand it in to the attendant. He'd like to give you a little gift bag to show you we truly were waiting on you to get here today. Uh, Just to tell you a little bit about our church, we've been doing some celebrations every Sunday, talking about the things, the good things that's going on. Sometimes it's behind the scenes. You don't see everything here in the Sunday service, believe me. We've got a Tuesday night prayer that's just on fire here, praying for you. We've got Wednesday night next level service where the faithful saints are coming and they're growing in their knowledge of God and their uh, ability to serve Him. And then uh, this Saturday, for example, the praise team went out to youth villages, troubled youth home in Arlington, and we ministered to two groups of kids. The first group was the older boys, and and we told them about David's life growing up and how he was anointed to be king early on, uh, but he had to go through some hardships to get there, and he had to hold on to that dream in his heart. And so we gave them a little hope, and, and several of the boys stood up to give their life to Christ, and then later on in the women's the, the young girls, when they came out, oftentimes uh, they come in with their heads hanging and put their head down on the table, and they're not ready. And they're certainly not ready for the joy that the Lord brings. By the time they leave, they're, they're all happy and dancing, and they, they come up to the front and sing with us. And, and there were several of them, many of them gave their hearts to Jesus after a stirring message. Uh, what did we preach about? The, about the, the harmony that God brings to your life. And... Uh, and how Jesus calms the storm. And so we preached that to them and gave them an opportunity to be saved. And, and I think 24 young men and women gave their hearts to Jesus yesterday at Youth Villages. And we do the same thing at the jailhouse every Sunday night. Last Sunday night, uh, 13 men in those yellow jumpsuits. And you know you can imagine how they're concerned about what their comrades are thinking to their left or right. But yet they stood up to receive Jesus Christ as Lord of their life last Sunday night. And we're not bragging on us. We're just celebrating. Look what the Lord has done. That's the way we feel about it. We're just just happy to be a part of what he's doing. And he's doing something fantastic. 
In fact, uh, there's things going on all the time. I, I didn't even know it. Bill didn't even invite me, but I understand he had a three-on-three basketball tournament Friday night. I know he didn't invite me because he didn't want me to win. I'll tell you what, I was out there last Wednesday before the service playing with some of those kids, and uh, I was shooting terrible, but it never entered into my heart that I might lose and let somebody else win, so I bullied those little kids and took them to the hole and won anyway. You know, I couldn't shoot for nothing, but never entered into Wasn't that true? I had to, I had to manhandle you guys, but they outplayed me, but I won, so uh, today... It's my pleasure to announce that this Thursday, we're going to uh, start a beautiful ministry we began last year under the leadership of Miss Kathy Calfee. I'm going to get her to come up and speak for a moment or two and try to get you excited about it because we want you to be a part. Come on up, Miss Kathy. Give her a round of applause. Okay, so most of you know that last summer we did something called Sidewalk Stories. And Sidewalk Stories is uh, where we fill wagons with, oh, 100, 150 books, which Mary Ellen has been collecting books and others have donated. We've got, I don't know, it's probably close to 1,000 books that we need to get give out. They're children's books um, that are good used condition. So this ministry doesn't cost us anything except our time. And um, last year, it was so wonderful. By the time we finished two months, the you know, we do it the whole summer mostly, um, we go once a week to the same kids, the same location, so we can make relationships with them. And last year, there was a group of teenagers, and I loved the way the year ended because they had been sort of given uh, Pastor Guy and Tom a little bit of guff, you know, because they're telling them about Jesus, and they were teenagers. They're kind of arguing. And so I just happened to pass by with all the kids that were wrangling and, um, and heard them giving them a hard time. The next time I came by... They're all standing in a big circle holding hands and praying the prayer of salvation. So God really moves through this. And it's just pulling wagons and showing the kids that there is a Father God who loves them uh, by us sitting down with them and paying a little bit of attention every, you know, a few minutes once a week. So if you're able to... Pray. We need these are the kind of people we need. We need prayer warriors who don't have to read to the kids, don't have to talk about salvation to somebody, but just pray while we're there. We need strong people to pull wagons and lift them in and out of the cars. So if you're afraid to read right now, just pull a wagon for us. We need people who love children and want to sit down with them and cuddle him and read a book to him, put your arm around him. We especially would love to have adult men who do that because so many of these kids don't have a father figure. And they also don't have a, an example of a godly man. Some of them may never have seen anybody besides an alcoholic, you know? So we need 
men who love God to take part in this, and also lift wagons. That, that helps. Uh, we need somebody that's a good organizer, which is not quite me, but uh, who, who's willing to, you know, calm the chaos because these kids will just swarm you and they'll follow us and they'll try to sit on the wagons and it gets a little chaotic but last year I prayed and prayed because it's a where we're going is called South Park apartment complex it's a little different than a neighborhood where you're gonna go and a couple kids are at this house and then this is everybody in one location and so God kept saying to me, divide and conquer. <laughs> and so we did that. Instead of us pulling the wagon everywhere, we stopped and we kind of let every, the readers sit in different locations and let the kids come to them. And, and that way you were able to do smaller groups and they weren't trying to sit on the wagons. We absolutely need evangelists, people who are willing to tell people about Jesus. And we're not just dealing with the kids. It's, it's, a, it's a layered outreach. The kids and the books are the tools. The kids need to know Jesus. We want to make sure we tell them about Jesus. The books are tools. It's not necessarily a reading program, though it does do that. They have a nice little library by the end of the summer because they get to keep each of the books that they choose and and some that they steal too. So that works out good, you know. <laughs> they get to keep them. Um, but it's foremost, it is an outreach to reach people for Jesus. So we try to meet the neighbors and the adults that are around so they know what we're doing and try to meet the parents and and try to um, find out what their needs are and pray for them and, and maybe direct them to places they can go for help. And, of course, invite them to church. Tell them about the bus ministry. So if you feel like you can fit into any of those places, today after church we're going to have just a little quick half-hour meeting in the back um, there's there's been a conflict in scheduling so we're gonna find out who can come maybe every week in june for us be with us then we're going to work june and july and i promised pastor that i would only take a minute so if there's anything that you have questions about think you're able just uh we'll meet in the back corner i think um now, you know what? Let's meet in this corner. It clears out faster. We'll, we'll meet up front here right after the service, okay? Thank you. Amen. I think we're probably all qualified. We're all called ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We all can serve in some capacity. Last year, it was, you know, we had people with health limitations out there in the hot weather and stuff and but they were faithful and god gave them the strength on miss kathy has had health issues and, and wasn't sure she would be able to do it but she was there every thursday so um it may be a little bit of sacrifice but it's one hour a week to do the great commission amen well let's pray and we'll get into the word of god I'm getting a late start here but that's all right Father, we just love you so much. Everything that's happened so far, we know that it was supposed to happen. And everything that's going to happen, we pray that it is your will. 
We pray that you will speak through me, say the things that need to be said, touch the hearts that need to be touched, open the ears right now, Father, that nobody gets in a hurry. Everybody relaxes, takes a deep breath, and says, God, have your way in me. That's what we say here. We love you. We want to love you more. We, we want to know what you know about our lives. We want to discover ourselves. Our lives are hidden with God in Christ Jesus, your word says. So, Father God, help us find ourselves here today. Show us what we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We'll turn to Acts 13, verse 22, and we'll launch from there. Acts is right after the Gospel of John. After the four Gospels that give account of Jesus' life, they begin to talk about the early church and how it got started. Acts 13, verse 22, says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. And I thought about that. What does that mean, a man after my own heart? I think, you know, surely that means that he's pleasing God's heart. But that after God's heart thing kind of gives a connotation that maybe David wants God's kind of heart in him. He's after God's heart. So he wants to know, he wants to have a heart like God's. And of course, when we want to have a heart like God's, then God's heart's pleased too. So David was a man after God's own heart. And I think we all should be that way. I hope it's said of me on Judgment Day, you were a man after my own heart. You were after my heart in your chest so that you could see people the way I do, feel about them the way I do. And in doing that, you pleased my heart. Now it's said about David, son of Jesse, and we remember David, right? He's the giant killer. He's the man who would go on to become the king who brought the, the kingdoms of Judah and Israel back together. The great king, David, such time of prosperity, subdued all his enemies. He wrote the Psalms that we love to quote. and It brings us such comfort in our, in our times of sorrow and such. or Helps us to rejoice when we want to rejoice. David was a, a man after God's own heart. And it's hard for us to understand that David was the same David that sinned with Bathsheba. And we think, how could a man, after God's own heart, commit adultery and then later murder because of it? And the, the account of the story says that it was the time, it was the springtime when the kings often went to war. Now see, David, he had already slow, slew his giants. He had already established the kingdom by this point in his life. He had already done great things. And it says he had mostly peace all around him. All his enemies were scared of him. And so that reminds me of, of how it can be in a Christian's life. You got saved, man, I tell you what. You got anointed to be the next king. You was, you was ready. You was on fire. You slew giants. You rose to prominence in the church or such. You, you were serving God with all your heart. And then all of a sudden you think, well, I've arrived. And you start getting that world's mentality that, hey, I'm going to sit back for a while and relax. I'm going to retire. You know, that's one word that's not in the Bible. 
retire. As long as there is breath within you, you got to keep moving forward. There is no neutral in the Christian life. You're either moving forward or you're sliding back. Or you may be just all the way in reverse. And you got to be careful. It says David was normally off to war at this time. He was taking the kingdom of God. You understand? And it says we take the kingdom of God. How? By force. And so he was out doing. He was usually pressing into God. Not backing off. But this particular spring he said, well, you know what? I've done my share. I'm not going to do sidewalk stories this year. I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I deserve a rest. He's thinking about himself instead of thinking about God now. And he's trying to slip over into neutral. And it says he's sleeping till noon. <laughs> and he wakes up. It says he wakes up from his nap and he walks out on the rooftop. And he looks over the city and he sees a woman bathing. And her name is Bathsheba. He didn't know that, but he wanted to find out who is that woman. Well, his servant said, that's Bathsheba. She's the wife of your servant Hittite. I mean, uh, Uriah the Hittite. See, Uriah was a faithful servant to David. And David should have said, okay, okay, well, he, he already had his own wife, you understand. I think, I think he had more than one. And you know, if he was on top, if he was walking in the spirit, if he was moving in forward, at that point he would have averted his eyes and went back in the house and told somebody to go tell that woman to get off the roof. <laughs> it says you got to flee from sin. Sex, sexual sin. It's <laughs> a sexual sin. <laughs> you got to flee. You got to run from it. That stuff will come on you quick. <laughs> Don't lay your eyes on it. So he was laying his eyes on something he should have. At that point, the King David that we know that wrote the Psalms would have said, no, I'm not looking at that. Have that woman cover up and tell her to put her bathtub in the house. But he didn't. In fact, he had her summoned to come to him. And the, and the heat of her proximity got his hormones stimulated to the point where he committed adultery with another man's wife. Not just another man's wife, but his own faithful and loyal servant's wife. Of course, after that, David felt terrible and he repented to God and then he, he turned from that and he, he, he called Uriah to come to him and told him how sorry he was. No, he didn't, did he? We see that David is not walking close with the Lord at this point. His heart is not tender the way it's supposed to be. In fact, he calls Uriah to him only so that he could have Uriah go to his wife and think that that's his child that's about to be born because she got pregnant. Well, Uriah, he listened to the king and, and he went down and he slept in the, with the palace guard. And David finds out about it the next morning. He didn't go to his wife. Send him up here. Uriah, why didn't you go and be with your wife? And he said, he's so faithful. He said, how could I go lie with my wife and sleep in my comfortable bed when my men and my commander Joab are out on the field sleeping in the open ground? Never let it be said about me that I would do such a thing. Just a faithful man. And then David said, oh, i got to think of something else. So he decided to get uh, Uriah drunk. And he gets Uriah drunk. Surely he'll go home. Even still, the next night he stayed with the palace guard again. So David wrote a letter 
And in the letter, he folded it up, I'm sure, and gave it to Uriah. Uriah is so faithful that he can carry this note to his commander, Joab, and David knows that he won't peek inside and see what it says. That's how faithful this man is to David. And the note, when Joab opens it, says, send Uriah to the fiercest part of the battle and then draw back and let him be killed. He delivered his own death note. And so Joab does what the king says and puts Uriah out front and then draws his men back and Uriah is killed. But it doesn't say just Uriah is killed. There were a few other Israelites killed in the, in the exchange. So David has not only become an adulterer, now he's become a first degree murderer and a manslayer with the blood of those other innocent men on his hands. All in an effort to clear up the mess that he's made. Well, God sends a prophet, Nathan, to David. And Nathan says, David, I have a story to tell you. There were two men. There was a rich man who had many sheep, cattle, livestock. And there was this poor man who only could afford one baby lamb. And he bought that baby lamb and he raised it in his arms and he, he would hold it like a baby. His kids played with it. They kept it in the house. They fed it from the table. He drank from the man's own cup like part of the family. He said the rich man had a guest coming over. So in take it, instead of taking one from his many flocks, he went and took the poor man's little lamb, killed it, and fed it to his guest. And by this point, David's like fuming. He said, this man deserves to die. He says, he's going to pay back fourfold for everything he stole. And the prophet Nathan looked at David and says, you're the man. What did David say to that? Last week, we sought to resurrect the heart of worship in us. Y'all remember? We even, at the end of the service, we got up and we sang the song, I'm coming back to a heart of worship. God gave us a stirring message and then a, a song at the end, an opportunity to come to the altar and to, to get off of that roof and get back down in the battle. If you found yourself growing a little cold. And, and as I was playing the song, I can't play piano good, I'm just learning. And, and so I had to watch my keys or I have to close my eyes to worship, you know. And, and as we were singing that song, I just, I expected about halfway through when I opened my eyes to look down and just see five deep, you know, down here at the altar, people fighting to get to the altar. And I looked and it was a smattering of people. Now I looked and I saw some of you crying and weeping out there in your chairs. There was, there was sincere worship going on. But, but others were Maybe not that, but I mean, I, I could feel it. I could feel that not everyone was engaged. And I prayed this week and I said, God, why? Why after that stirring message, that call to come back to the heart of worship? Why after the, the worship and the music? Why? Why would they not engage? Now, I didn't hear an audible voice and I'm not. I don't like to be one of those who said, God told me this and God told me that. But I just felt in my heart. That God was showing me because many of our hearts have grown cold. Many of our hearts have grown hardened. And a hardened heart 
is too self-absorbed and too guarded to worship. And so he said today, well, I feel like he said today that we would talk about having a tender heart. Maybe our hearts weren't prepared yet to come back yet, but it was what God is doing. Do you feel like God's doing something here? That's why I love church. I, I love to hear from God and to see where we're going next. I'm not making this stuff up. I don't say, God, I want to preach this or, or just have my own idea of what we need. I pray and say, God, what do you want the people to hear? What do you want to say? These are your people. They're called by your name. You understand? So I, I'm just the messenger. Lord, let me stay out of the way. I just want to be faithful to do your will in this earth. And so that's what I, and it takes the pressure off of me. <laughs> Thank goodness. Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Now, this is a rhetorical question, obviously. Yeah. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in his love, you think? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? And then he says, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying like, of course there are. Are your hearts tender is the next line. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? That's how you will have encouragement, comfort, and fellowship together in the Spirit. By having tender hearts towards God and towards one another. So today's message is part five of our series, Resurrecting My Life. And we're going to call it Tender Hearted. Can I get an amen? Amen. Nobody wants me to call them hard-hearted. I hope you didn't. You ain't talking about me, Pastor. Nobody thinks they're hard-hearted. That's the deception. So we're going to talk about that today. Hard-hearted is not a good look for you. Believe me, it's not a good look for me. And see, we're all susceptible to to grow a hard heart because we think we're coasting for a moment, and we look up and we we've sunk five miles backwards from where we were. How did David? Become a murderer. Come on now. You don't think you could become something? We got to be honest with ourselves today. A hard heart is cold and selfish, loveless, judgmental, critical. It becomes scary and wary and wayward. And you know what? That's what the devil loves. That's what he wants. He wants to put you he wants you to have a hard heart. That's his job, to try to take out that tender heart and put a hard heart in there. He wants to lull us to lukewarm like he did David. He wants us to be lukewarm. He's fine with us coming to church, but not worshiping. He's fine with us gathering all the knowledge and going to all the seminars and getting all the biblical knowledge we got as long as we don't put any of it in action. He would encourage you to go to those seminars if you're going to spend all your time going to the seminars and not actually telling anybody about Jesus. He wants you to have a hard heart. Proverbs 4.23, however, says guard your heart above all else. That means that's important. To guard your heart. It is, it is the... The field in which you plant. Everything going in your eyes and ears and stuff is planted into your heart. 
And you're going to reap whatever's planted in there. Whatever you allow into your life. you got this darkness, these songs, these shows that you're watching. This You're playing with this and you're t- dabbling in that. And all that darkness is getting in you and you think it's not affecting you until one day the harvest comes up and you're like, how did I get here? And God says, guard your heart. The devil says, no, hard your heart. The devil says, Harden your heart, because you're going you're gonna to need a hard heart, because it's tough out there. He's made it tough out there. He's the one making it tough out there, and he wants you to harden your heart. Put walls up. Don't let anybody in. Don't love nobody, because you'll just get hurt. Don't trust anybody. Don't forgive anybody. Stay off to yourself. You don't need anybody anyway. And the devil's trying to get you to harden your heart. But God's saying, no, just guard your heart. Guard what you're putting in there. A tender heart can be much more pliable in harsh conditions. You know, when my daughter was born 23 years ago, my, my wife was in labor for like, like 26 hours. It was like 36, 36 hours. I'm telling you, it was rough. I don't know how I survived it. I imagine it was pretty tough on her, too. <laughs> I was tired. Man, I could barely stay awake. <laughs> but I was doing my Lamaze class teachings and stuff, and I was getting her to breathe right and all that. I mean, I was working now. But for 36 hours, she was in labor, and then the last two or three, she was in hard labor where she's pushing, you know, and they just had the nurses in there. I don't know why they didn't send the doctor in, and the baby would not come out. Little Kaylee was stuck in the birth canal, and she was pushing and pushing and pushing, and nothing was happening, and I was saying, come on, breathe, breathe, you know. (laughs) She wouldn't listen to me, and we didn't know what to do, and. Finally, the doctor came in there and says, oh, little baby's off to the side. The baby was off to the side trying to come around the corner. And so all she did was push on Kaylee, uh, Angie's belly and push the baby back up straight. And here she comes. She come right out. But you know when she came out? She had the longest head on a baby I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she was a little cone head. Y'all saw Saturday Night Live back in the 70s, you know, the cone heads? They gave us one of those little hospital caps to put on her. We rolled it all the way down. It still didn't get to her ears. <laughs> we was trying to stuff it down. I got pictures to back it up, but I didn't want to embarrass her and bring it. I'd never seen nothing like it. Thank goodness her head was pliable so that she could enjoy life. Or else she would have got stuck and never enjoyed life. Thank goodness she was pliable. Because after a couple of hours, her head went back down to normal. You can see her now. It's round. true story thank goodness for being pliable have you ever seen little babies and stuff they can like roll down the steps get down at the bottom and run off you know like how do you do that i feel like sometimes i lean against the wall i want to break my hip or something you know older people's bones get what hard and brittle Right, you got to be much more careful. A couple of years ago, I went skating for the first time since 
you know, junior high or something. I remember when I was junior high, I was trying all these tricks, and I'd fall and bust my head and get back up and keep going, you know, and it's like falling all night. I went out there, and I'm like, this is harder than I remember, you know. I'm trying to do this number right here. And I, and I went to fall, and it like took me 30 minutes, longest fall in recorded history. I was coming all the way down from six foot four, you know, and I was like, Whoa. and I was putting out my hand and everything, and when I finally hit the ground, it hurt. I was like, this ain't like I remembered. I used to fall all the time, but this time it hurt. You ever been in a in a tall building, like one of those skyscrapers up at the top on a windy day? And you can sit up there and you can like, am I moving? Something's going on here. Why is that? Because engineers can tell you that if you make a big, tall, rigid building, when an earthquake comes or the strong winds, it will crumble. It won't be able to take the pressure of this life. And so they build a backbone into the buildings. They make it flexible. And see, the devil wants you hard and thinking you're too tough, but you're not tough enough to stand the conditions in this life. You're not. You need to be tender, and you need to be tender towards God because He's the one that's going to get you through your issues. And you need to be tender towards others. Because they're going to come alongside. That's part of God's plan. We cannot let the devil lie to us and say we need to be hard. A tender heart seasoned with God's love and just a little eternal perspective can stand all the shaking this world has to offer. I mean, if you love God and you know that he's up there preparing a place, Jesus says, where I am there, you will be also. You know, if you got that eternal perspective and someone dies or you're about to die or something, you can make it through. You got a soft heart towards God. You're tender. Turn to Jeremiah 18. Or you can look at it on the screen if you'd like. I'm running late today, so I'm going to... They always tell you not to tell the people that you're running late because it makes them conscious of it. I'm sorry. Scratch that. <coughs> Angie's always, stop telling them you're worried about time. Well, I'm concerned about your time. I want to make the most of your time. That's all it is. All right, Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and I found the potter working on the wheel. I want you to picture a potter working on the wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, which happens sometimes, right? So he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. Aren't you tired of starting over? Aren't you tired of having to, to rebuild every time you slide back? Aren't you tired of the ups and downs of your Christian walk? What if you just decided that you were going to stay with Jesus whole hog all the time and have a, a, keep a tender heart, and that was your focus in this life? What if that's what God wants us to do, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself? What if he meant that? What if that's what we're called to do, to really, not to get hardened by CNN and Fox News and to divide ourselves off into little groups that hate one another? How about if we just all decided that we were just all going to be Christians first? I mean, we're from another kingdom here. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. We're just temporary residents here in the United States. 
I think if we were to look at things from an eternal perspective or through God's eyes, we would be very thankful for the nation that we have. It would change our outlook. I'm just preaching all, all over the place. I don't know where I am. Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, say tender, tender. and responsive heart. Some of you are saying, but you don't know what I've been through. My heart has been broken so many times. See, our potter only works with soft clay. He can only make you what He created you to be if you will stay on the wheel and you allow Him to get His hands into your life. He will remove the hardness if you will let Him get His hands back into your life. He will form you into what you were created to be if you will trust Him. Amen? Proximity determines elasticity. What did He say? Proximity determines elasticity. If I were to put you on a rocket right now and shoot you straight towards the sun, somewhere along the journey, you're going to start sweating. Somewhere along the journey, you're going to start melting. But the good part is, is when our, we move closer to Christ... Our hearts melt towards Him. They get tender and responsive. The closer our proximity to God, the close, the, the more pliable our hearts become. Right? The closer you get, God's Spirit will begin to saturate you. God's Word will begin to permeate you. And His love will activate you. Hardened hearts are softened the closer our proximity to God. We've got to get off the TV and get down on our knees, folks. I'm not saying... Never mind, I don't want to go there. James 4, verse 8. This is really deep now. Are you ready? Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Whoa, you got to think about that one for a moment, right? Pastor, that's, that's just way too simplistic. But it's that way for a reason. That's the way God created it. You can't take a step towards God without Him taking a step towards you. It's your running from Him that's caused your proximity to harden your heart. Just take a step back. Just keep coming back and be a man after God's own heart. You say, but well, I, I wanted to worship last Sunday, Pastor, but my belly was growling. It was time to go, and I just don't feel like worshiping. I'm not in that place in my life. That's when you need to worship the most. That's when you need to break through and get a crazy praise on. At some point, you're going to have to break that hardened shit. It's your heart is on the outside beginning to harden, and you got to break through that to get down to the soft part. You got to draw nigh to God, and that sometimes it don't you, when you don't feel like it's when you need to. They take the kingdom by force. The violent take it by force. We got to we got to fight. 
for what we believe. We got to fight to be who God calls us to be. We can't sit up on the roof and sleep till noon and think I'm just suddenly going to be so in love with Jesus. Just sitting back remembering all he's done for you in the past is good. But you need to be creating new memories every day. New experiences. You need to live in the now. You need to live in the good and the here. And be present. And keep drawing nigh to him. What are the signs of a tender heart? Well, I thought the best examples I could give were just looking around the church. And so I'm going to name a few things that I just saw. And this isn't an extensive list. Please don't blame me if your name is not on the list. These are just some that came to mind. But these are examples of a tender heart. You already mentioned Mary Ellen collecting the books for sidewalk stories. Got a heart for those children. Wants them to learn how to read. Wants them to find out about Jesus. Kathy and her husband Pat have opened their home to people in the church when, when need be. Always reaching out. Got a heart to help folks. Tony and Denise. Where's Tony and Denise? They in here? They're in the back serving right now. He's the bass player, if you don't know him. His wife is the over the children's ministry. They uh, mentor young boys from youth villages. I think they're on their third or fourth one. Tender hearts. Those who steadily come to our Tuesday prayer. Well, what's so tender about that? They're praying for you. They're here to give an hour of their time each week to pray for others, pray for our church, pray for the things of God. That is a tenderizing station right there. I don't know if you ever just walked right up here. Uh, you can just feel the Spirit of God. and That's why I can't get these people off the front row up here. They're all fighting to get up. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> this man comes to prayer. I'm not saying that there's special areas. Don't get don't confuse your theology. Good Lord, I'm just kidding. But God is in this place. And I won't apologize for that. He should be where two or three are gathered. Bill, back there in the sound booth. Mentoring young men we don't even know about. Mentoring those young boys in the youth group. Having those basketball tournaments. Doing stuff that you don't even see behind the scenes. Chad. Working at the Warrior Ministries, but guess what? It's not a job to him. It's his heart's passion to see those men's lives change. Where's Mary? Is she in here? Mary, I wrote this. Can't seem to turn away anyone in need. I've seen it time and time again. If somebody says, I, I don't have a bed or something, Mary's plotting and scheming how she's going to go get a bed and Sometimes she calls me up and says, can I borrow your truck? And so I said, no, you got, it's your deal. No. <laughs> no, that's not Angie, would you take care of Mary? She's trying to help everybody in the community. Nicholas in here, he's with his parents today camping in, in a far off land. But many of you know Nicholas. He never meets a stranger. He sees full potential in everybody, man. He's Amber babysitting for months to help out a friend, get her back on her feet. Just giving of themselves. Miss Brenda over here, taxiing people to and from church all the time. 
and doing everything that she can to help anybody in need. Tom and his jail crew have a heart. Amen. Have a heart to go and reach those those prisoners. And Jesus says, when, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. They, they don't see them as the least of these. We see them as people. There go I, except for the grace of God. Tim and Lisa, taking care of elderly parents. Showing tender love. And Tim's happy guest services people, the people that you meet coming in the door. All of those people back there just here to give you a smile, make you feel welcome when we get here. Heather Shepard. Is she in here? She's probably in the back. She's on a cruise. Hallelujah. She deserves it, man. Amazing creativity. You look back in the back, it's not just business as usual back there. She does the decorations, the games that they play. She spends so much time. Miss Anita is, is working closely with her. And everybody back there, man, I wish we could just, I wish we could all just go down the hallway and just love on them right now. Because every Sunday and every Wednesday, they're back there serving those kids. And they probably would like to relax and be in these comfortable chairs with us, but they're down on their knees loving our children. Cody and Joe and a lot of other young men in the church just always saying, Pastor, you got anything you need? Anything I can do for you? Our youth, they're not acting all cool like a lot of youth, too cool for school. Man, their hearts are tender and they so freely worship. You ought to go back there on a Wednesday night and see them worship. You ought to see them at camp. My goodness, it would, it would inspire all of us. And how somebody always in the church, it seems like there's always somebody in here that says, do you have any uh, youth that can't afford to go to camp that I can help? And every year, two or three kids get to go to camp because somebody says, I would like to support or, or what do you call it? Sponsor a child. Thank you. And they come back and you say, that was worth it because you see the fire in their eyes. Our church cleaning crew who does what they do in secret. Keith and his media crew back there. Now, you guys don't know it, but they're here early in the morning, often the first people here. And they're always the last people to leave. Sometimes on Sundays, they don't get out of here to 2 or 3 in the afternoon after loading the podcast and stuff on the, the Internet. That's a tender heart. They do these things. They're not getting paid. They're not getting paid for it. None of these people I've mentioned are getting paid for this stuff. Vicky and Ricky. <laughs> they invited over 20 people to church on Easter Sunday, and they came. <clears throat> huh? And got John Jeans, Uncle Johnny, living with them, taking care of Johnny. And Johnny, my goodness, jumping Johnny. He's having health issues right now, but still to this moment, he's got his little bag of candy on, giving it to the kids. He will do whatever it takes to be a blessing to somebody with what he has left in this life. He's got a tender heart. I've seen the man. I've seen the man down at the park where we played at O'Brien Park, and it was a, a terrible lo location. Kids playing with broken glass, and Johnny was on his knees picking up glass so the kids wouldn't step on it for the whole... Three or four hours we were there pretty much. The praise team. You don't know it, but they put in countless hours for their hearts to remain tender so that they can lead us into the throne room of God. And I said Wednesday something about we don't want to be famous. We want to be faithful. And that certainly applies to our praise team. These are just 
few of the beautiful, tender-hearted things going on. And another final example that you could partake of right now is you could forgive me if I left you off the list and not get upset with me. <clears throat> because I know there's beautiful things going on, but we just can't go on all day, you understand? There's a song called Hosanna. And the lyrics to the chorus says, Heal my heart and make it clean. Open my eyes to things unseen. Show me how to love like you loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. That's a tender heart, my friend. A tender heart just can't say, be warm and be fed and I'll see you and tell me how it went, you know. It can't just be not moved by human suffering. A good barometer for where you are with a tender heart is, is the, the gifts, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. You want to know how's your love walk? How's your, you know, how's, is your heart tender? Well, then... It, your heart is tender because God, you're walking in the Spirit and you're not letting your flesh rule you. You have to make a daily decision to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide your lives. And Galatians 5.22 says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, we need some of that. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are you doing in these areas? If you've lost self-control, then you know. If, you, if you're being impatient with folks, then you know. If you don't have any joy, you know. If you don't have any peace, see these things are in close proximity with God at all times. You can partake of all of these things at any given moment. You just have to decide to take a step, draw nigh to God. Woo! There was a king named Josiah took the reign in Israel when he was eight years old. Kind of happened like that because his granddad, Manasseh, he was like one of the worst kings ever. Did all kind of evil. Got the whole nation of Israel. Uh, I can't remember if it was Israel or Judah, I'm sorry. But it was one of, the, one of those. And uh, he, he was just, had everybody worshiping idols and all this and had forgotten and just let the temple of God be trashed. Well, he finally dies and his son, I think, what was his son's name? Ammon or something like that. He's king for like He tries to take after his dad's footsteps and he just wants to be evil too. He just wants to do what he wants to do. He only lasts two years before he dies. And so his son, Josiah, eight years old, becomes king. But Josiah, it says, has a tender heart. Josiah, somehow, maybe, maybe it was because he went to a good children's church, Anita. Maybe because somebody in his life says, you know, your, your dad, he did the best he could maybe, but, you know, he wasn't following after God. You need to follow after God. Somebody pointed this young Josiah to God. And so as he becomes king in his teenage years, he begins to clean up the temple. Get all that trash out of there. Let's honor the temple of God. And he begins to clean up the temple. And in cleaning up the temple, they found the words of God in there. And the nation had forgotten about God. They didn't even know God had a word that he had sent. And so they bring it to the king and he gets it read before him and his heart breaks. He says, oh my goodness, God is about to bring judgment on us because we have let all these things go. We were God's people at one time, but now we have sl we slid back 
And we're not doing the things of God anymore. And in 2 Kings twenty two nineteen, God sends this word to King Josiah. He says, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place, and against this inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I have also heard you, says the Lord. When you hear God, He will hear you. When you return to God, He will return to you. And it might just be that all the desolation that He was fixing to bring on your life, He may repent because of your humility, because you repented. When you repent, maybe God might repent and have mercy because he's a tender God of mercy. He's not hardened like King, uh, like Pharaoh in Egypt. Pharaoh says, who is this God that I should listen to his voice? Pharaoh had this hard, stony heart. But I want you to know that stony heart sunk to the bottom of the Red Sea. And stony hearts will always sink to the bottom. We ought to be people after God's own heart. Each one of us seek to glorify God, deeply grieved by sin, tremble at the Word of God, seek for more of the Holy Spirit. A tender heart will always be the kind that can truly love people like Jesus does, like those examples I gave. They'll be the one that can truly worship when we have a moment of worship. And a tender heart will be quick to repent when they realize that they've grown lukewarm. And that's what David did when he heard the story. You're the man. He didn't have to explain what he was talking about. David knew, I am the man. I stole this other man's little lamb. I had him killed. I've done done these things. I'm, I'm sorry, God. And if you read the Psalms, David wrote Psalms 51. He wrote many of the Psalms. And if you read the tops where it says what this Psalm is about, usually not actually part of the Word of God, but just instruction, it usually says this is a Psalm David wrote after he had sinned with Bathsheba. And in Psalms 51.10, David, in response to what Nathan had told him, in response to coming back and repenting towards God because of his sin, said, Create in me a clean heart and renew a loyal spirit within me. David was just like the prodigal that we talked about last week. He just simply came back home to the Father when he found himself out in the pig pen. That's all he did. Maybe you've been like both of those. I thought about this week. I've been like both of those. I've been the the guy that that did the stuff that he was supposed to do in the church and was uh, obedient to the Father but didn't partake of the Father's love the way I should have. Didn't understand how much he wanted to bless me and so I'd push him away and be under condemnation in my Christianity. But I've also been like the early son that, that spent 32 years of my life running from God before I finally came home. And David has been both of these as well. He just said, we all at some point in our life are, are going to fluctuate and our hearts are going to grow either colder or warmer. And God is saying, I hate lukewarm. And so we must come back. There's a song that we used to sing called Holiness. And it says, take my heart and form it. 
and take my mind and transform it and take my will and conform it to yours to yours oh lord because i am yours i am yours oh lord god is doing something here we're not just preaching this stuff so you can go away and say well that was a good message tickled my ears and God, it truly is doing something if we will allow Him. It's God. God is always doing something. It's our hard hearts that don't hook up and just think that we're, we're just cruising. You know, church is just part of my life. God is, you know, He's in charge, but He's really not. And God's saying, come back into close proximity and let me melt your heart again. Let your heart break for what breaks mine. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.